0: Five, four, three. Mm-hmm. There's merely a two-word review, it just a shit sandwich. I just don't still like playing.
1: Welcome back, fellow music lovers. You are now tuning into yet another exciting adventure with us here on Discologist. I am your host Kevin, as usual, and we are doing uh, this is an old school type of episode when um, we used to have Chunky Glasses the podcast. We wanted to sort of delineate uh, these old school like uh, classic album reviews, if you will, and we call them Discologists, and we really like sort of dove in in a different way than we review albums normally. And, uh, and so we haven't done that yet in this new incarnation. And here we are, one of our favorite albums, Summer Teeth by Wilco, turning 20. Uh, in fact, this past Saturday, uh, we, uh, you, you narrowly avoided a 311 podcast because it is 311 day, but that's neither here nor there. Maybe we'll get to it down the road. But Summer Teeth is a, uh, is a classic that means a lot to a lot of us around here. Maybe it means a lot to you, Wilco's third album. Uh, featuring the band at that time was Jeff Tweedy, Ken Coomer, John Stewart, Jay Bennett, and Leroy Bach. Very different from the Wilco You Know and Love in 2019. And it was, uh, they had had a big hit with being there. Uh, a big hit for them, I, I guess. And uh, and they were coming out of that. And they were on their way to the album that most of you uh, know them for, for uh, which is Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. But on the way, they created what is, a, I think, objectively... <laughs> Uh, their their best album, and that is Summer Teeth. It is a mix of of the Tweety songwriting that you know and love, with sort of Beach Boys California magic, uh, Sonic adventureness that uh, they haven't really haven't really pursued like this ever since. And it is just a perfect piece of uh, of emotion and feeling and music that encapsulate a certain encapsulated a certain time. Uh, in 1999 when this came out. So we're going to be talking about that today, obviously. Uh, joining me is going to be Casey Ray and Eduardo Nunes. Um, before we get into it, uh, I, want to, I want to get you acclimated to this. This is, uh, well, first of all, I want to say, if you have not heard Summer Teeth, stop right now. Go listen to Summer Teeth. Stop calling yourself a Wilco fan also. But if you've corrected that problem, you come back to us, and we're here for you. We're happy for you. Yeah, because you you now you've now been enlightened. Your eyes have been open. Uh, we're gonna play a little track from this to get get you into in the mood here, and then come back. And Casey and Ed are gonna join us, and we're really gonna dive into uh, what makes Summer Teeth such a, a nigh perfect album. Uh, one of the reasons is this track. This kicks off the album. Uh, it was not meant to be a single. They demanded a sing. It was gonna be a single. The record label did, and it turns out to be one of their best songs. This is Can't Stand It by Wilco.
2: Skill You get so low struggle to find your skill.
1: Standed off of Wilco's uh, classic album, Summer Teeth. Uh, no love is as random as God's love is is sort of a mantra for this album. Joining me to sort of discuss this uh, this record of, of personal pain that uh, made white people sad all over the place, or white men sad all over the place, uh, Mr. Eduardo Nunes, Mr. Casey Ray, welcome back uh-huh. to the podcast. Hello. Um, you know, I, I don't think we're... Understating it when we say, at least for me, that this is one of the most important albums, certainly in Wilco's career, but I think in the modern, modern like indie rock era, mm-hmm. is that about sound about right to you guys?
0: Sure, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's kind of I would say right before the indie rock era as codified by tastemakers. You know, I think we still yeah. thought of ourselves as part of like some alternative music uh, movement, but it also introduced, I would say, more. Uh, adult, contemporary, um, friendly themes, Mm -hmm. ideas, and callbacks musically. Uh, We talked about Brian Wilson a lot in the Weezer cast, but I I just want to drop that early uh, in in the conversation because I think this was, um, besides Jay Bennett and um, Jeff Tweedy's, the the peak of their toxic codependency was also the peak of their interest in... um, that type of production, Brian Wilson and Phil Spector. And you can even hear like the Roy Orbison, uh, influence with those, um, reverberating toms on, uh, what is it? Can't stand it. I can't Mm. remember which one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, And a lot of that I think was more Jay Bennett, the the now deceased, sadly deceased Jay Bennett. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, they were uh, uh, historically like pretty codependent. They're both on painkillers, both on antidepressants, uh doing stuff. There's a lot of stuff. Um, one of the narratives about Wilco is that uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot is their greatest achievement and it's some great achievement in rock and roll. And I would argue, and, and Stephen Hyden agreed with me on Twitter, uh, that this, Summer Teeth, is actually uh, – because of those very reasons, because – um, before then, you have a, a songwriter who, who came from maybe like all the others. We've discussed a lot of this on other podcasts. Uh, he likes pop hits. He likes the, the candy-coated stuff of like the Beach Boys. But he came from Uncle Tupelo. He came from more p- punk background. He came from you know being against the system. And the first two albums, A.M. was straight country. It mm-hmm. basically it was an Uncle Tupelo album. And then being there was we haven't ever talked about that, but that that was a really special album. It was record. special in showing the, how the he first grew. disc
0: anyway. I mean, I don't know if it needed to <laughs> be a two two album. Maybe not.
1: Uh, event, uh, you know, the much maligned Hotel Cal- uh, Arizona is one of my favorite songs, but people don't seem to like that but neither here nor there but with this one uh you know there was a jump in this they had actually uh i think been i don't know if they've won yet have been nominated for a grammy uh for the mermaid avenue thing
0: yeah which
1: is songs with woody guthrie uh done with billy bragg and they're really in the the limelight with here and the focus is on them and for the time uh he, If you've heard the demos for Summer Teeth, they're very Jeff Tweedy songs. Mm -hmm. And so then you can turn around and hear their process was they tore it apart. And that was Jay Bennett. And it's almost... uh, uh, It it almost is like Tweedy was interested in this but didn't know where to go. And so Jay Bennett was just like, took his hand and said, here, let's make some weird shit. Um, And you get, uh, you know, a song like Can't Stand It, you get some of the most iconic things that they've ever done, uh, but you get weird, like candy-coated things, like nothing's ever going to stand in my way,
3: mm-hmm. or yeah.
1: candy floss towards the end. Um, weird, uh, weird, just when you wake up feeling old, which is like a jaunt, yeah, know? yeah. Um, and at in 1999, at least I feel this. There was nothing. There was nothing like this.
0: Probably not. I, I want to correct the record, and then Eduardo can uh, yeah. run with it. But um, it wasn't. Can't stand it. that had the big Roy Orbison timpani, uh, or Tom kind of uh, fills. It was maybe all I needed—a shot in the arm. Mm-hmm.
3: I was oh, like, yeah. "Here, yeah, that's right. We're hearing it in my head,
0: like, <laughs> doom, doom. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I, mean, I, record, think I, <laughs> I think
3: what uh, I think, Summer Teeth being there in Yankee Hotel Foxtrot are all. Kind of, um, even though they're sonically very different, they're sort of all of a of a piece from the standpoint of they're they're really ambitious and um, um, and I think Summer Tea stands out because it doesn't it you know being there has sort of like a, almost a more sort of like a, you can hear like a sort of a Lee Ronaldo type influence uh, on some yep. of the kind of feedback drenched uh, parts of it. Um,
1: yeah, Sonic youth fame.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and Yankee hotel Fox rod, of course, is its sort of own thing. But, um, but here you get all of this sort of like classic, sunny, uh, California, like it's a very upbeat sounding album. It's a very pretty sounding album. It's got orchestral and kind of whimsical elements. It's got this sort of Baroque pop thing going on. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, and it's to my mind out of, out of those three, you know, I, I, I like being there plenty, but, um, I don't. I don't know when I'm going to listen to Yankee Hotel Foxtrot again. I feel like it's been six, I, or, six or seven years. I'm probably. I don't. I don't foresee going back to it anytime in the near yeah, future. Same here.
0: I. I think Yankee Hotel Foxtrot was just a. It was a serendipitous. Um, event or set of events that you know obviously started off with a crisis and that was our label not going to put out the album and part of the story of the album i think became the selling point for you know the npr verse and the new york times new york times averse and stuff so Mm -hmm. i think it, it enjoyed a cultural moment that was sort of carried on the back of uh the story but there was also you know some uh additional emphasis on Interesting production, you know beyond what summer teeth depicted, and i don't know I prefer summer teeth because I actually like the the sort of those old fashioned hallmarks, and I really do enjoy the the sparkling prettiness of it, which belies the the anguish that's actually present yeah. in the songwriting
1: there there's a lot uh, of this uh, it, it, the songwriting is is kind of weird on this because by this point in in Tweedy's career, certainly um, he, he built up a cult of Tweedy. Uh, when I, where I went to school at Virginia tech, there was a bar called the underground uh, and I've spoken about this before, but uh, in the bathroom was carved pretty much every uncle Tupelo lyric, mm-hmm. you know, w- many of which he wrote uh, and he was, he was trying to get these things out. Then this album, famously he was frustrated uh, with being on tour uh, away from his family um, and also dealing with drug addiction unbeknownst to a lot of people. But the reality of, of a lot of these songs is that they're free association, which is when you think about it um, and when you think about a song like A Shot in the Arm or a song like Via Chicago, uh, A Shot in the Arm specifically uh, was a high watermark for what indie rock could do and what this band could do. It remains so to this day, at least in my opinion. Um, and it's kind of made up. It's kind of Burroughs cut-up method, right? Yeah,
0: like, I, mean, hey. I I think he was like clearly influenced. He was reading a lot of Henry Miller and I wouldn't be yep. surprised if he was reading Beats at the time, but you know, um and I think the the sort of druggy um thing he was chasing uh, sort of falls within that overall mindset. So there was something in, you know, in the overall ambiance of the album that is it's not photorealistic, I'll put it that way. It's free, it's free, free associative or um, impressionistic, I think. Uh, but yeah. at the same time, he does manage to convey, you know, some of the harsher realms of the human emotional terrain.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to play a little bit of this because this is, this is the, um, this first line is, uh, is pretty much everything. Um, or this first first stanza First, first chorus or verse of this uh, This is a little bit of shot in the arm And um, you know I, I've heard lots of artists do this And I I know lots of artists who strive to do this And I don't think anybody's ever going to do it again Yes
2: Tracy You are up all night When you went to bed your darkest mind sun caught fire, you changed, we fell in love in the key of the sea, we walked along down by the
0: about that is that he basically anthropomorphizes Bed Bath & Beyond.
1: <laughs> he, he does. Uh, but he also um, immediately gets you into whatever character this is. And uh, as we've learned over the years, that songwriters, often they are their subjects, and more often than not, they are not their subjects. And uh, we have wanted to believe in Tweety's subjects. We, as specifically middle-aged white guys, yeah. want to feel that angst. I they mean, don't and, call uh, it
0: dad rock for nothing, and they you don't. Can, <laughs> even if you're a cat dad, you're still counted.
1: You know, and, and like there is no, there is no like Ryan Adams, for example, uh, without this type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And and to his credit, even though I think in latter years this this has fallen away, uh, you know Tweety sort of created. This mode and uh, and he uh, perfected it and to a point that like people just can't approach it like that's that's airtight. The ashtray says you were up all night. Yeah. You, you know when you walk into a scene and you see that, what's going yeah. on?
0: Well, he well, didn't invent it, but you know, like I mean, you can trace this like all the way back to like Phil Oaks and Bob Dylan and the sort of mm-hmm. when folk music started to become impressionistic. Um, go ahead, Eduardo. I didn't mean to cut you off.
3: Yeah, no, I was I was um I was gonna say that it's um you know that that song builds up, of course, to that kind of climactic lyric of uh, you know, what you once were isn't what you wanna be anymore. Um, yeah. and, and
1: uh And mm-hmm. maybe all I need is a shot in the arm. Yeah. Yeah. Is it drugs? Is it like, is it a, is it an illness? Is it like, you
3: need a fix? Something, something bloodier than blood. Bloody, um, right, right. Yeah. And, and those two things exist in the same song. Yeah. Well, well, I think there's a, there's like uh there's a sense of like, there's a physicality to some of these songs, right? I mean, everyone kind of talks about She's a Jar and, um, and some of the impulses behind a song like, like Via Chicago. But, um, but, but, but there's like a really credible effort, I think on the part of Jeff Tweedy to basically, uh, burst out of kind of genre songwriting, which I think, however you think about everything up to and including AM, you know, there, 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 there's a there's a conventional approach there, and I think Summer Teeth and, and Yankee Hotel are really where that kind of comes off a little bit.
0: Yeah, you know, what's really funny to me is that when I hear this record, I'm instantly transported back to a time and place where my life uh, might have felt like the narrator of those songs to some extent so exactly. i can relate in an emotional way and of course that is you know trapped in frozen in amber it's a memory now so when i hear it i wonder how it is that you know people can afford the luxury of being nihilistic in their lives like that because mm-hmm. now i'm a grown-ass person and you know the the kids and you know the the real life and i know tweety obviously has uh, weathered that storm within his family and is very much, you know, he seems to all outward appearances to be a family man or a guy who's you yeah. know, dialed into that. But it was hard one, clearly, at least going judging from, you know, what he's willing to relate to us on this record. But the drug stuff, that feeling of like youth that's sort of maybe starting to get in the rear view and that one last party and let's burn it at both ends. And what's it really costing us ultimately in terms of our uh, relationships with other people? That It's a real cusp uh, kind of quality. You know, a person's life is changing and their art is reflecting the Uncomfortableness of that change, and when I listened to the record, it it really kind of reminds me of a time in my life where maybe some of those things were also true for me. Yeah, yeah, and that that's that's why it's persisted. Well, it's interesting too. I mean, Kevin, you
3: talked about the um the the Mermaid Avenue albums, the Billy Bragg collaborations, mm-hmm. which was because I'd been at um as we've talked about, like because I, I was an uh, intern at Smithsonian Folkways, yeah, the summer yeah. of ninety eight. And they had just put on a big concert for harry smith that uh that Tweedy and Bennett played at with Roger mcguinn uh and a few oh, other wow. people wow. yeah there's uh there's some great recordings of that um that folk was actually released but um but so my first real exposure to 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 Wilco was because i didn't i hadn't i didn't know uncle Tupelo, but I subscribed to no depression right. like any self respecting banjo player yeah. in the nineties. Yeah. And um and this guy Jeff Place at Folkways, who is basically the resident, like know all curator, archivist, um, you know, savant guy, um, had been working with with Bragg and, and Wilco on the Mermaid Avenue stuff. Oh. Um and um he was he was basically he like most weekends that summer, he was going he was being flown somewhere to see Wilco play. And he would come back and say you know they're they're doing something really weird. Like they're about to break through this wall that I didn't even know was there. And they're gonna, you know, they're they're coming out with these new sounds and 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 stuff's gonna be different going forward. Um,
1: yeah, and and I think it, you know, these these two albums, but this one uh, especially, um, they they obviously learned a lot by just finishing Woody Guthrie songs, which is kind of what they did. Yeah. And uh, they applied, you know. Whereas Woody Guthrie songs were essentially just all about fighting fascism, therefore, you know, the good, you know, the, the greater cause. And he applied a lot of that to uh, talking about like the inner cause, like fighting, fighting yourself. Um, you, you take a uh, and there's some very sweet moments on this where that happens. You 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 know, you take a lot of doubt songs like "We're Just Friends," yeah, um, and uh, and uh, I'm always in love, which is. Uh, you drop it now and it's it's modern pop rock. Yeah. Uh, uh Same and nothing's ever going to stand in my own way. But there's a song called Pie Holding Sweet. In the beginning,
2: we close our eyes. Whenever we kiss, we were surprised to find so.
1: Only three verses, there's no chorus, Um, but the last verse is, in the beginning we closed our eyes, whenever we kissed, we were surprised to find so much inside. That is, that's a beautiful sentiment, that is, I think, uh, what I thought falling in love was when i was that age yeah. right yeah you know it's like because you don't know you're unsure of yourself uh you don't you're unsure of your place in the world you're unsure of that other person and then when it, when you make that connection all of a sudden like wow wait, like, this is you're, you're connecting to something much bigger
0: mm. yeah connecting to something much bigger is really powerful and we maybe we're a little too dismissive of yankee hotel foxtrot because when i think of that record i think of the song jesus etc which encapsulates i think yeah. the the tear that we had caught in our throats after 9 11 and we and it and we don't really know why that song seems to relay those feelings that they do for me and i and some of the people i've talked to it seems to uh have those echoes the rest of the album i i can't really think of anything that i truly love whereas summer teeth i you know from the first needle drop or whatever i'm in and every song you know i can not listen to it for Two years, three years, four years, and I put it on earlier this morning, and I was like, "Oh!" And then, "Oh yeah, ooh yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah." yeah. That that association, I think, is important with nine eleven. Uh, you know, because you know, the, even the 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 album cover of uh, of Yankee Fox Foxtrot is these two towers in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think what you're referring to, though, is something that he really found here. Um, and, and embrace, like if you read articles or interviews with him back then, people are like, they think you're a god. It's like the Clapton is God thing. You know, mm-hmm. you're like, this guy tweeting is a, you know, and he never really bought into it, but I think somewhere along the line, and maybe it was the drugs, uh, maybe it was self-loathing. I don't know, but he decided that he was this guy. He did. And, so he and had, I
0: got, uh, yeah, I have a little story about that and it's like not really that big of a deal, but, um, yeah. A friend of mine uh and I wrote for a magazine called Signal to Noise, which was kind of like the American version of Wire magazine and it was published for a bunch of years and It was essentially a journal of um underground uh experimental improvised music, you know that side of the universe, but it was yeah. the one for the for the states and My friend uh had written a review of nels klein's brother's work, Alex Klein. And Nels had just joined the band. Alec Klein does amazing work, by the way. He's he's fantastic. Yeah. And I love him too. Um, but that sort of got us into uh, a Wilco show. I'd already seen them on. I saw them on the Summer Teeth tour. I think I saw them on AM. Even you know they just used to come through oh, town. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that got us backstage at the show, and we got to you know meet Nels Klein, which is really special for me, and uh, spent some time talking to him. And then later, hung out with John Starrat, you know, at a bar for most of the mm-hmm. night. But Tweedy was there, okay, and he was um, he came out and he just sort of sat in a chair, and he kind of just glowered. <laughs> the whole time right. like everyone else was being real like nice and friendly and stuff and um, he just was sitting there glowering and then he went away and everybody else went out and hung out and had a great time um, but we didn't see him and I didn't really think anything of it I'm not going to like cast aspersions on somebody I can't stand being around people um, when I'm doing something creative or have just finished a peak emotional right. experience um, you know I don't want to come down from that and reenter this sort of small talk universe um so you know it didn't bother me but i think at that time was when he was really uh, had made the decision that he was going to get clean and mm-hmm. you know find a different focus uh yeah. so that struggle kept kept on for a little while after uh summer teeth and yankee for sure
1: yeah and, and you know I've, I've always considered jesus etc to be sort of a remake of how to fight the loneliness right and yeah. Yeah. which is a one which is a wonderful track and um uh, but again, it is more uh insular than anything like that instead of instead of speaking to the audience or or another person he's sort of all these songs are about talking to himself one of these um his wife had issue with mm. uh, and this is another one like shot in the arm on this album that is uh i think a high point in in indie rock period in later years uh when Nelson joined the band mm-hmm. uh eventually um it, it is uh it's it's like seeing a type 7 fish jam eduardo <laughs> <laughs> um you know it's it's it, it is one of those things that i don't it, even it, know what it, that
0: means <laughs> it, it, it
1: it it takes it takes the noise that he explored on some of the tracks on being there and like laser focuses it into uh, this bridge that then opens up into uh, a hook mm-hmm. I, and, and it's, it's insane, but it, it starts and with something. And maybe this is important to the me too or in the me too era with a line that is not very good and is not, and it's misogynistic as shit. Uh, in, unless you look at it through a noir lens, but uh, I'll play a little bit of it, but it's it's via Chicago.
2: I dreamed about killing you again last night And it felt all right to me Dying on the banks of Embarcadero skies I sat and watched you Buried you live in a fireworks display Raining down on me Your cold hard blood ran away from me to the sea In a notebook full of white dry pages Was all I tried to say But the wind blew me back Via Chicago in the middle of the night And all without fight, At the crush of veils and starlight Man with a face like mine, being chased down a busy street. When he gets caught, I won't get up and I won't go to sleep. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. We are Chicago.
0: As it turns out, I think that really is meant to be taken in a noir context because yeah. that's what he was reading at the time, and but it does kind of like give you the uh, the the goosebumps when you hear it. And I would say the same thing as "She's a Jar" on "Summer Teeth." Mm-hmm. You know, the final yeah. the final line on "She's a Jar," she begs me not to hit her, is like. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's that. Wow. Th- there's a there's a line here in this in the third verse that says, uh, "Rest my head on a pillowy star, a cracked door moon that says I haven't gone too far." Hmm. You know, this idea that you, uh, he, you know, and this is why his wife took issue because they weren't having these issues. You know, right. but people were going to assume that that you know he fucked up really bad with his wife, but this this whole idea that you can fuck up and still find redemption, um, and it it creates uh, an I I think this in many ways leads to a lot of the toxic masculinity we see in 2019 is what I'm saying. Well,
0: I think I wouldn't wouldn't blame it on Tweety.
1: (laughs) Well, I was trying not to blame it on Tweety, but I'm saying like that belief that like, you know, you dreamt about murdering somebody, you maybe acted on it or something, but Hey, they're going to forgive you. And, you know, at some point you turn around and, and sort of reckon with your own actions, take responsibility for the self.
3: Well, I think the album has really, um, Uh, like it's not coincidental that it has this sort of, you know, um, uh, California, you know, sunny Brian Mm -hmm. Wilson kind of sheen on it. Because I think it is an album about sort of adolescent impulses, um, and yeah. you know, for every mm-hmm. sort of uh, hint of darkness, there's a similar, you know, nothing's ever going to stand in my way, or right, right. Uh, or, or 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 something that's more kind of determined yeah. or affirmative. That's but I think, I was,
0: that, yeah, that's what I was trying to get at earlier. And thank you for for making that point better. It's the last gasp of immaturity, the last yeah. gasp of male yeah. immaturity.
3: But then hearing a grown ass man say I dreamed about killing you, or she begs me not to hit her, like that was I like. Like the first time I heard that line and she's a jar, it was very much a like sort of a, a perk up kind of moment and and it was also yeah. I, I thought kind of like for me at least it was really like the idea that you can bring forward this really dark character and present them kind of amorally in a way that doesn't feel cheap or you know it's not it's not right. like in like they do in metal or something. <laughs> you
0: yeah. would, you, would you would you say that? Uh, and this is something that I've asked myself, but. Would you say that in music we tend to relate the singer of the song as more of an autobiographical figure representing the characteristics or the stories told within the song? Um, I know that, you know, when we talk on our other show, uh, me and Eduardo, Dead to Me. This comes up from time to time about Jerry Garcia because he actually had a lyricist, Robert Hunter. But a lot of the fans would just sort of think, Jerry is speaking to me and these are his brilliant, beautiful words. And I think even the uh, fans who know that isn't true uh, are sometimes uh, susceptible to that Mm. impression just because he delivers it so well. But obviously, Jeff Tweedy wrote these lyrics himself. That doesn't mean they're autobiographical. And yet again, this is your yearly reminder That artists probe their interior, uh, you know, for ideas that might exist within their subconscious or come from uh, outside of themselves, and they channel those into songs. It does not mean that they are the person or, uh, uh, referenced in the song or or that the events of the song are biographical. Right. The, so,
3: the song Elephant did not happen to Jason Isbell. He has is no, not. He, no. not, he no. has not lived that. Well, uh, I don't know. Maybe it
1: did. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so and he's tweeting his own record saying that literally this is almost a literal like call and response. He says, I dreamt, dreamed about killing you again last night. And he's like, and that line felt all right. Yeah, and he left right. that response in the, right. in the thing yeah, because funny. it, it it didn't mean anything to him yeah. and, and he knew that it would mean something. And I, and I think uh great artists. I also think that's the eternal, like chasing down being Bob Dylan for artists, right? Cause sure, that's what that's Dylan right. does. Nobody mm-hmm. knows who the real Dylan is. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, masks uh, all
0: the way down. Yeah.
1: yeah it's masks all the way down. And, and I don't think anybody in modern music has been able to pull that off. Uh, Tweety sure tried. Um, And, and uh, along the way, he, I think he abandoned that, you know, now he's, he's a friendly dad rocker. Yeah. And and
0: there's, I think there's something uh, that is biographical in there though, too, obviously. And I think he would cop to that, like some of the emotional struggles that he was dealing with definitely make their way through the song through, you know, I, I guess more circular means or more impressionistic uh, means. But at the same time, when he got healthier, and Kevin said, you know, he he sort of got his shit together, that's when maybe some people started thinking that Wilco was getting boring, too, you know?
3: Well, I was about to ask that yeah. question, because, you yeah. know, Wilco's post, like, Ghost is Born output to me is just a blur. Like, I sort mm-hmm. of don't... I can't really name a lot of songs from after that. doesn't mean that that
0: there's not some good stuff here and there, but yeah. Yeah. I
1: I, I would argue Sky Blue Sky is their last great album. And I think, um, you know, there's 10 years, just about, there's eight years between that and Summer Teeth. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that is is something I wanted to discuss, actually. When, uh, obviously, it's not fair for anybody to criticize an artist, but you got clean and now you're boring. Um, it's also can be true that that happens, <laughs>
0: you know, it can um, also be the, true that the other genius in the band, Jay Bennett uh, got booted out and then died. So, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. It, that, that can be true too. And and so there's a lot that goes into it, but um, the question then becomes is did the drugs that uh, Bennett and Tweety like were on and the tensions it was caused like create summer teeth, or was it the people? Is it the situation, or is it is a true artistic expression? And I, I sort of struggle with that on the albums like this because, A, they're so meaningful to me. I do view this as autobiographical. Like, this is, you know, back in the day, like, Tweety was, like, my superhero. You mm-hmm. know, he's <laughs> like Captain America of rock and roll. And, and, and I don't hold that uh, view anymore of anybody, but I sure remember what that felt like. Mm-hmm. and and so when he gets off the drugs and all of a sudden it starts getting boring i'm like yeah uh, you know, it's what kind of breaks your heart
3: well i mean i think i think there's plenty of you know there's there's um there's counterfactuals there right there's plenty of artists who sort of sober up and don't and kind of you know don't lose yep. their their creative spark um there's um in kristen hirsch holy shit there's an artist who just like solved a major fucking psychological issue and is apparently still able to write and perform, which uh had not been the case before. Um, I, I I you know, I I really do think there's something to be said and 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 maybe this is kind of picking up on some of the themes of um of of Casey's um story is that there's like like Tweedy has a little bit of a case of front menitis at the time at at times and oh, yeah. you know he couldn't get along with anyone named Jay like if you were in a band with him and your first name <laughs> was Jay like you were gonna <laughs> like it was gonna come you know. to a bad end right um and and I it, it's it's uh it's really interesting to me how on this record like even now when I listen to it like the music, the sounds, um, the effects, it all feels totally effortless to me. It all feels trans. There's, there's like two or three spots where like I can hear someone making a decision to do something to like, Oh, let's drop a bridge in here and let's put sort of a little like George Martin. For
0: a record that is this much uh, of a toy shop, uh, you know, throwback toy shop, psychedelic record or or a a Baroque record with those influences, you can't see the wires and it's really Mm -hmm. great. Yeah. Yeah and, kinda, and the the illusion is real right from the outset it's yeah, beautiful yeah, absolutely
1: so how 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 do you think this influenced like other artists because this is sort of a hole in there's a lot of 90s indie rock uh the lesser known bands it's just a hole in my experience and um and uh but there's like baroque pop on this which became mm-hmm. the rage in like the mid 2000s Yeah, well yeah i think it, it,
3: athens i think the athens georgia yeah you know scene clearly uh was informed. and again
0: that a lot of that was co-current or pre-existed summer teeth like the elephant six uh correct roster that, that, that's variety. sort of what i
3: was getting at but it opened the door for apples and stereo to sort of have more of a moment than they would have otherwise maybe might have for sure yeah yeah,
1: yeah and i mean can you think of any bands that directly like benefited or even just became bands because of this
0: you know i i think you'd have to break that influence down into uh constituent parts right i mean okay. at the at the Top level, there's just the songwriting, which is so sublime and so rare. Uh, mm-hmm. that you have to be really, really great to be, even be in the ballpark of comparison <laughs> yeah. and that's just something that you know Tweedy at the top of his form he had and, and, and it's not something that you find everywhere. You can aspire to that level of song craft sure. but you might not make it and, and thereby that's why we're not talking about you on a podcast 20 years later or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But the, the more um, emulatable aspects which I think are the, the production choices and the arrangements that, uh, you know, there's, there's influence that can be, can be taken from this record in that regard. But at the same time there, as you mentioned, Kevin, that sound seemed to be having a moment and isn't necessarily the uh, current flavor. I, I would say the current flavor of psychedelia and, and, and music tinged with that other quality is less toy shop and more like feral dead. You know what I mean? It's that yeah. hairy, wild, like go for the throat. <clears> throat> I weirdly which I also yeah. love.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I weirdly feel like a lot of uh Father John Misty's stuff is is great. That might sure. be true. Yeah. That
0: could be true. You know, but at the same time there's also Randy Newman in there and other kinds of well, sure, uh, songwriters yeah. like even Donald Fagan, but you know, obviously not as um as uptight, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. The, the
3: the Sparkle Horse album that came out a year after this, I think it's a wonderful sure, yeah. life to me. The synths really remind me of um, of what you hear here sonically, and, and so I think that. And around
0: that same time, bands like Granddaddy they were they were doing yeah, a more sort yeah. of uh, lost in space version of it, but uh, they're I think they they can be situated not only in terms of the era that they came from, but in terms of their aesthetic, um, like we've said, you know, this uh,
1: the world didn't know about Wilco on Summer Teeth for real. Uh, I, I mean, I, w- I remember presenting this album to friends, and they were like, "What the fuck is this?" And like, well, who the fuck are you? And how do you not know what this is? And then I play it for them, and they're like, "Whoa, this is like all these things." And they would name influences on it, and that I didn't hear. And um, and then you know, by Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. That's when they became, you know, the biggest, arguably the biggest band in the world at that time.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, and- I could always tell, like, when, when shit like that hit the mainstream, like, they people would hear it on NPR or it would be in the New York Times, like I mentioned, because then they'd come into the record store and uh, there'd be people who just... Normally wouldn't come down into your like freaky high fidelity yeah. uh, basement record <laughs> store, and they always looked a little bit lost and maybe were yep. a, a little bit grayer than the normal crowd. My favorite was when uh, Outcast won, I think their Grammy. Uh, the The blue hairs would come in and they'd say things like, "Do you have that album, Stan?" By, <laughs> by Outcast.
3: Uh, Stanley Conia. <laughs> you,
0: nobody... it, like, it would happen with like Nora Jones or David Gray. You know, yeah. there's a whole host of bands, and and it was around that general era, I think, that um that Yankee Hotel Foxtrot came out, and you could definitely see the NPRing of <laughs> Wilco. Yeah,
1: but when when they when that happened, though, people weren't coming in and asking for summer teeth. That's sort of my point. Like. It you right. know, it's it's celebrated right. now but like people who who really the first time they heard uh wilco was yankee auto foxtrot i was like that's cool and all but you're not really a, w- a real wilco fan um, right. because you have i think you have to celebrate this album more than anything else in their catalog to really um claim ownership to that uh yeah. and, and and, you know, and look, that's shifted over the years. Um, there are people, weirdly, that came to them in Sky Blue Sky when Nels Klein gets in the band. That's a whole different vibe. And and, and look, that's valid, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think they probably became more of a, a, a live band that has a oh interesting, yeah. awesome repertoire to work. Um, you know, I think back to all those times I saw Wilco leading up to Summer Teeth in Yankee Hotel, though, and I don't really remember that many of them, probably because I was, like, drinking and drugging as much as the guys on stage were. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, they, they were a
1: mess. They were a mess. We're some the of us are
0: still here, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? that, that, that was the thing. Now they're, like, uh, honestly, people... Uh, Sometimes consider them a jam
3: band. Uh, they're jam. They're, they're not far different. off. Like I could see, yeah. uh, you know, Bruce, Bruce Hornsby is definitely going to end up playing a set with them at some point. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. If he like, hasn't already. But,
1: but back then, they were not. Back then, they were just like nope. these punk ass kids and, yeah. and messed up on drugs and like, you know, getting angry and yelling at people. There's so many tapes of Jeff Tweedy in this era yelling at the audience. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah that which, changed.
3: Does, does he still do that? I I haven't haven't seen Go in a long time, but
0: he's real real sweet. That's the that's the thing. He's like, uh, and it seems kind of hard won, but also genuine. Like he seems grateful in a way. I mean, I think he's still a persnickety guy. Yeah, um, as most creative people can be but there is an there is like this sense that he's happy to be there and you definitely didn't get that impression uh in some of the earlier eras
3: i mean it's it's a very it's like a very endearing success story from a certain standpoint right like like and regardless of what i think of their kind of late career output i think the run of albums you know the 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 being there summer teeth yankee hotel run of three albums is it like to me it sort of goes up there against most three album runs. You know, maybe it's not like the very yeah. top all time tier, but it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's at the very top of that next tier. Yeah. yeah. No, and I some mean, bands uh,
0: don't get all three, you know, some bands get two, some bands yeah. get one. Yeah. Get
1: none. This is a generation two, uh keep in mind post REM because REM had a very similar, similar experience. Yeah. Um, and then they, and then they hit the big time with document. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they really hit the big time with Green. That's, right. that's that's for that's for a whole other podcast. But uh, yeah, I, I think this is. I hope everybody listening to this, or my hope is that, that everybody listening to this podcast right now has experienced summer
3: teeth and aren't just listening to us because they like to hear us
1: yap. Uh, yeah, if, if you not, if you
3: like Wilco and don't know summer teeth, like what like what like what w- are you doing? <laughs> WYD, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um but uh I think you can go and and uh find even you can stay a Yankee hotel foxtrot like stand and still enjoy this because you'll see the seeds and better versions of the songs on, on
2: their
3: sure. but, but, but Yankee hotel Foxtrot has all these moments that sound great artistically and musically, but mm-hmm. what they don't sound like is a band playing its heart out, right? It's a yes. very like restrained, careful record. Right. And this is more right. joyous. This is more, it's all,
0: it's also filtered through Jim O'Rourke, who is a big part of, yeah. uh, you yep. know, the assembly of that record. And, yep. and it definitely has more of a committee vibe, a committee that has impeccable aesthetic, uh, taste and a real deep history of uh you know music to draw from but it doesn't feel like a band in the same way you're right yeah, like, yeah. although at the same time you know you read about how um summer teeth came together and it really was the jeff and jay show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. who knows
1: yeah and jay didn't join until um you yeah, know midway through being there
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: he so that was, he was his moment. There there's a thing I'll put in the show notes, an amazing like uh chart that's on the Wikipedia of uh, all the overlap of people that have been in and out of Wilco. And um and you see some really great names in there and like you know, um like this one was in part like engineer Rick Wakeman. And, not like Rick Wakeman, but uh <laughs> you see see uh Mitch Easter was one of the producers. Yeah, on sure, yeah. Um and uh you know, people who had a hand in in crafting the history that they were drawing on, the immediate the history at least, but uh, yeah it's, uh, you know, I guess to sum it up, it's a motherfucker of an album, uh, it remains a motherfucker of an album 20 years later and uh, so if I can go out and listen to it
3: dudes, yeah
1: alright, uh, thank you guys for hanging out we're going to take a quick break and then come back and uh, finish this episode out. Uh, coming up in the next few weeks, look forward to me and Eduardo talking about 311. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Happy
0: 311 day
3: first, day. first St. Patrick's
2: Day. Yeah. When you wake up Feeling old this piano with souls Some strange stuff Stuffed nervous with gold Can you be where you want
1: to be Big thanks to Casey and Water for hanging out. That is uh, our discussion of Summer I'm Teeth by Wilco the right there. If you didn't listen up front, and go listen to it, maybe you'll go listen to it now it is uh, it's one of those albums that's impossible to separate from my life I'm just talking for myself right now and a lot of people feel that way we'll go occupy the space in the late 90s and throughout the 2000s uh, that very few bands uh, get to occupy and uh, and they used it well they didn't squander their power uh, they're a different thing now uh, they're an equally enjoyable thing just in a in a very different way so, so hope you enjoyed that. And uh, here's to Wilco for making the, uh, you know, if they had done nothing else, they made it summer teeth. And that's why we're still talking about it. That is the end of this episode of Discologist. You can find us everywhere on the internet at at Chunky Glasses on Twitter and Instagram because we're Chunky Glasses podcast. There's no at Discologist yet. Do I need it? You guys let me know. Uh, and, and then we're going to be uh, at www.chunkyglasses.com. And you go there, you're going to see all the podcasts. All now, 400, I think, and eight episodes of Discologist are up there uh, for your perusal. You're also going to see our uh, live team operating out of Washington, D.C., because we're based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin now. But they're still there, and they are cranking it out uh, just about every night in some of the world's. Uh, most famous and award winning venues, seeing some of the world's most famous and award winning bands. Doing that also over on um, deadtomepod.com. You can tune in to every single episode of Dead to Me. We're, we're we we structured that like a show, and Casey Ray has been killing it, and, and we're sort of winding that first season down. So you want to get on the bus now, kids, and you want to, you want to really get, get hip to what he's doing, because uh, big, big things ahead, and it's a great series. It's it's a it's a it's a great series, so so do that. Uh, in the next few weeks, next few episodes, we got the comet is coming and is coming back. So we're going to be talking about that with a good friend, West Covey, talking about Jessica Pratt's album. Uh, came out a few, I think about a month ago. We we'll talking about that, and then some uh, pretty cool stuff coming up, and maybe even a three eleven episode. That is it. We are out of here. Uh, we'll see you in a few short days, so just uh, be safe, everybody, and uh, talk to you soon.